You know, one of the things I pray quite often is this. Lord, please give your favor to me. Allow your favor to be upon me, upon my family, upon this church, upon the individuals in the church. Lord, we need your favor. You know, and you know what I'm really usually asking as I've been thinking about this the last few weeks is, Lord, I want to be blessed by you. I want to do great things for you. I want revival in our church. I want to pray for people and see them delivered and healed. And I think it's a really good prayer. What do you think? And then I started reading and studying again the Christmas story, or what we would call a Christmas story, the birth of Christ. And I came to this realization that sometimes walking in the favor of God is really hard. And it's messy, and it's inconvenient, and it can provide opportunities for us to become discouraged. And all of this can take place while we're functioning in the favor of God. Amazing. So then I thought, maybe my prayer is not such a great idea after all, if your favor is going to be so messy. And I want us to take a look at uh, the birth of Jesus in the sense of Mary this week. The title of my message is Walking in the Fog, F period, O period, G period. Walking in the favor of God. And sometimes we don't even know it, but it's kind of like that picture. You know, you could be walking around and the ground seems reasonably level and you don't realize how close you are to disaster. Or sometimes you realize how close you are to disaster and all of a sudden you get fearful. And you get your eyes off of the Lord, off of the calling, off of the miracle that God has for you. You realize your destiny and your calling is a flat-out miracle from God. In and of ourselves, it's beyond our human ability. We cannot walk out our destiny in the flesh. It's impossible. And as I looked at Mary and Joseph, and I think of this wonderful story that we're also familiar with, and that's sometimes the problem. We get familiar with the story. Sometimes we get familiar with the story we've seen on TV and in a movie or something, and it's not what the Bible really talks about in the first place. But even the story in the Bible, we get so familiar with it, I think we can miss so many significant things. And one of the things God spoke to me and was really teaching me was, you know what? The favor of God can really be messy. Instead of blue skies and smooth sailing, it can get really messy messy. I want to look in Luke chapter 1, verse 28. And I'm going to read just a couple of verses here. I'm going to go quickly. And coming in, he said to her, imagine this, you're Mary, young lady, a young virgin, and doing whatever you were doing that day. You were probably trying to fix some food. Who knows what you're doing? Probably helping your parents out with something, your mother out with something around the house. And Gabriel, the angel, shows up. And he talks to you. And he says, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Wow, that's pretty cool. But she was perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation or greeting this was. And I'm thinking, yeah, that would be my reaction. What in the world is going on? Gabriel, the angel of God, is talking to me and tells me I'm favored. And the Lord is with me. And in verse 30, it goes on, and the angel says to her again, don't be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. Fantastic. Favor with God. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, is the destiny awesome. Is the miracle awesome. But is the path, even with the favor of God, challenging, messy, troublesome. 
It says she was troubled and pondering. You know, who wouldn't tr- be troubled and ponder that greeting? And Gabriel says, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. And Mary's response, I'm going to drop down a few verses and then back right up. In verse 38, she says, behold, she's speaking to the angel of God. She says, behold, the, sl- the bond slave of the Lord. The bond slave of the Lord. She's choosing to be a servant of God. And she says, be it done to me according to your word. Wow. Well, part of me goes, if I only look at the verses I've read so far, the favor of God's upon me, the Lord is with me, everything's good, amen, I'm all in. Well, I want to go back and just have us read and see what she's all in for. Starting in verse 31, it says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him a throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And I'm sitting there thinking, God, if if I'm hearing that from the angel, what must Mary have been thinking? And then I look at her response and I think, man, out of all that amazing things that she's being said, she goes right back to the virgin part and says, how can this be since I am a virgin? I mean, you're going to have a son. He's going to be called the the Son of the Most High. You're going to name him Jesus. He's going to reign forever. And the only part that catches your attention. This can't be. I'm a virgin. I think sometimes that's so much how we think. God really lays something on our heart, and we know He has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for us, but we get hung up on a detail. And it might be a real detail. It would be a significant issue if you're a virgin and you're being told you're pregnant. But we're talking to God. And he has a plan and a purpose for you and me. And he might get us going and we're thinking, yeah, 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 oh yeah, what about this little detail here? I experienced that big time when I felt called to pastor. There's one problem with that calling, God. I'm a farmer and a chemistry biology teacher and I've never been to seminary a day in my life. Oh yeah, and I don't want to go. (laughs) Problem. We said no the first time that the elders approached us about it. I think it might, I might be I'm deceiving myself, but I think it was not God's timing, but I know it was fear because of that detail. And yet when, when he goes on, the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason this holy child, child shall be called the Son of God. That's what she said. I am your bondservant, Whatever you said, let it be according to your word. Great response. Great response. And then things got messy from there on out. Now you'd think with a word like this, the angel Gabriel is talking to you. How can it not be anything but a glorious ride to my destiny? Well, if you know the story, you know it wasn't. And I believe Mary in the months ahead probably had to remind yourself more than once of the promises of God, of her destiny, of the miracle that she's part of. And I've been thinking in that respect, we are all similar to Mary. When you know your destiny, you know God's got a plan for you, you don't have it all figured out, but you know there's something. There's something been birthed in your heart by the Spirit of God. You know there's something. And you say yes to whatever it is. And then it gets messy. And I think Mary probably, I know it got messy, and I can't help but imagine she had to remind herself many times what was going on. 
Things can get so obscure sometimes, so confusing sometimes, that we can lose view, lose view of the destiny, lose view of the, the ministry, lose view of the calling, lose view of the, the favor of God. Because I believe, just as God spoke to Mary and said, you are favored, I believe when we respond in the affirmative, just like Jesus did, when we respond to the calling on our life and accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, the favor of God is now ours. We are now qualified. Mary qualified herself for the favor of God when she said yes. And when you and I said yes to God, yes to the Holy Spirit, drawing us to Himself, wooing Him to Himself, and we said yes, the favor of God is upon us. Amen. And then it gets messy. It's not supposed to get messy. We've got the favor of God. And I hope when we look at Mary and look at this, it'll help us sometimes to to somehow or other put together this conflict we have with what we know in our hearts that's been birthed there and the circumstances that we're going through and helps us keep our eyes on the favor of God, the, the thing that God has put in our heart. But boy, does it get messy. Mary and Joseph, you know a lot of this, but I encourage you to read in, in Matthew and Luke this message, this story, and put it together from the two Gospels. But they're mess. Just to hit a couple of things, let's just go back to beautiful little Mary, this virgin. It says in there when we read the scriptures, it says that she immediately was told as part of this conversation with the angel, your, your relative Elizabeth, the one who's supposed to be barren, guess what? She's pregnant too. She's six months pregnant. And then it says to us, after she hears this and has this conversation with the angel, it tells us she quickly went to visit Elizabeth. It doesn't tell us she had to sit down with mom and dad and explain anything. She didn't have a sit down with Joseph and explain anything. We don't see that. We don't know if anything took place, but we do know this. It says she quickly left. And we know that she stayed there for three months. Because John, who we call John the Baptist, was born. And she came back. Now, how many of you know if you get declared pregnant three months later, it's not going to be a big secret? And she goes home. Pregnant. She's betrothed to Joseph, which basically, our culture doesn't get that, but that means they were basically married except they weren't living together and hadn't consummated their marriage. To break a betrothal was a divorce. And she's going back and she's now pregnant. Not going to keep it secret anymore. Joseph discovers she's pregnant and knows according to the law that he would be within his rights and the community would be within their rights of stoning her to death. Her parents, I can only imagine, their initial shock, probably shame. But what happens? This marriage betrothal is in trouble. And I can't help but think how often God has this calling on our lives, a destiny for us, and the enemy wants to to get it off track, and what he does is he comes at our marriages. Because that marital issue can derail us so quickly and set us back. Your destiny, it can still be out there. I, don't, I want to encourage you. If you're in marital issues, you've been divorced, God still has a destiny. You are not disqualified from anything. And this is where they were at. It was a mess. With, you know, the angel, this is all your idea, God. And Joseph's trying to figure out, how do I de- deal with this? 
Because he was a good man, the Bible says, he decided to try to put her away quietly. In other words, divorce her quietly. And then the angel of the Lord spoke to him in a dream. In Matthew chapter 1, I'm not going to read it all, but starting in verse 18 through verse 25, basically the, the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to marry Mary. The baby she's carrying is conceived by the Holy Spirit. He's going to be a savior of his people. He's going to come and forgive the sins of his people. You're going to call him Jesus. And, and the angel of the Lord speaks to him and Joseph says, I'm in. But a mess. And it didn't go away after that. have to make a few assumptions here and I always hesitate to do that, but it doesn't look like when we look at the scene that Mary and Joseph were wealthy. Now she to be discovered she's nine months pregnant and they've got to walk or travel a hundred miles through mountains and deserts. Nine months pregnant. It's not that comfortable in a brand new car. Much less walking her on the back of a donkey. Trouble along the way. They finally get there and she goes into labor. More trouble, but this is the favor of God. What is going on? We've got to find a room quickly. There is no room. God, how, are you kidding me? There's no room. A stable? Our baby's got to be born in a stable? Troubles. Messy. Confusing. Doesn't make sense. And then, even, even as she's being born, he's being born, or shortly after he's born, there's this Herod guy, the king, the Jewish guy, who's, who, who's misinterpreting Scripture. He reads the prophecy or hears of the prophecy and, and Micah, and, and, he, and he figures, oh, there's going to be a king? He's thinking natural king, earthly king. He's going to take my throne. We better kill a whole bunch of babies. The favor of God. As we look at this story, what we discover very quickly is that in the favor of God, there are going to be problems. At least in our mind, there are problems. We need to understand favor. What does it mean to have the favor of God? That word favor is cherished grace. The grace of God. When she gave that response, whatever it is, according to your word, she was avail- it was available to her. Grace, a couple of definitions that which is due to grace or the spiritual condition of one governed by his power of his divine grace. I want to just look at a scripture in Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 13. The context isn't exactly the way I'm using it. Check it out. But I think the meaning is clear. It says, For it is God who is at work in you. By his grace, he is at work in you. To do what? To do and to will. Both parts. To will and to work for His good pleasure. Notice that. I believe we see two clear dimensions of grace. God's grace. The power to will. You know what? You wouldn't have got saved on your own and neither would I. But God in His grace gave us the will to accept the gift. And the power to do. There is a power aspect of grace. To do. He said, in other words, Mary, there's this grace. I'm going to give you the grace to say, amen, I'll do this. 
And I'm going to give you the grace to go through it and to accomplish this. And notice the last part of that verse. For His purposes. I want the favor of God on me. Sometimes I'm afraid it's because of selfish reasons. Not always His purposes. I can go into those areas of my issues and my strongholds and my fears and I could want the favor of God so I look good, you all like me better. And it's all for naught. It's for the favor of God. Favor of God for us to do His work, to do His purposes. You know, and the thing is, it's hard for us at times to know what the will of God is and what's going on. Now, when I look back and you look back, if you do a study of all the Old Testament prophecies, it's like this great big neon sign in the form of an arrow pointing to Jesus. So when I look at those prophecies, it just confirms to me and in my heart the foreknowledge of God and the faithfulness of God. Awesome. I'm not sure it did all that in Mary and Joseph because those prophecies were their reality. They had to live out the fulfillment of those prophecies. Peter and Tanya mentioned a couple of prophetic words have been spoken over them. You know, sometimes it's great, sometimes it's a challenge for those words to be worked out in our lives. One of the things that we see with Mary and Joseph is they had to work it out. God had a perfect plan. Don't you like a perfect plan? With God's perfect timing, don't you like that? Because everything goes smooth. Not true. Not true at all. We need to be, God's going to have things, He's going to put things in the right place at the right time for the right purposes and the right reasons. You know, we see from Scripture in the Old Testament and the old prophets that were given 800 years before Christ that He had to be born in Bethlehem. I'm thinking, gee, God, you've got such a great plan. Couldn't you have figured out a better way than a nine-month pregnant woman riding a donkey 100 miles and having birth in a, in a manger? I could come up with a better plan. No, I couldn't. It had to be perfect. Everything had to be in the right place. Taxes, a census, all of these things they had to go through under the favor of God. It'd been easy to give up on God's perfect plan. Some of us in here have given up on God's plan. We've given up on the destiny in our life because of circumstances. God's not concerned about those circumstances. He has a plan. If we cooperate, we will be in the right place. He will get us there. The bad news is, He doesn't usually confer with you and ask you about it. His plan. His place. And He will take you there if we just cooperate. But it won't always be smooth sailing. And in the right time. Anybody ever pray for the timing of God? God, if I just knew your timing, oh, this is going to be so good. It's time. Now's the time. Go. Perfect timing of God brings perfect circumstances. Wrong again. It doesn't bring perfect circumstances. His timing with Mary and Joseph Look at all of the garbage, the stuff they had to go through because it was the right time. God's timing is perfect. Jesus is coming back. Amen. When? I don't know, but God does. And it's going to be the perfect time. Does that mean when He comes back, it's all perfect for all of us? Oh, boy. The fact that He's coming back might be great. It will be great. It will be perfect. 
But the circumstances that get us to that point, I don't know. They don't have to be perfect in our mind, how we define it. And the right thing, you know, you can know and be in the right place at the right time, but what's the right thing to do? One of the things I pondered this week was, okay, I'm Joseph. You tell me I can marry Mary. It's it's the Holy Spirit. Awesome. This is good. And then wait, you're going to raise, you know, because most of our destinies don't come fully grown up and mature, do they? Neither did baby Jesus. The Savior of the world didn't come growing up and mature. He dirtied his diapers. You had to raise him. Think it's tough to raise a kid. How would you like to be Joseph when he's pondering this in the evening and say, what am I going to teach my son? He's God. And as a husband, I want to teach my son. I want a role to play. He's God, for goodness sakes. What do I do? You still have to do the right thing. And sometimes the right thing seems so wrong, so foolish. I mean, think of this. The right place, right time. They've had the baby. They're in the manger. It's all over with. And sometime later, these three guys called wise men show up. And we see, if I throw one scripture out here quickly, in Matthew 2.11, because if your only theology comes from the TV programs, you've got this part wrong. They didn't show up at the manger the night he was born. It says in Matthew 2.11, After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. Now theologians disagree on how long after the birth it was. Most agree it was at least three months and maybe almost two years. But we do know when it was time for Herod to to panic, he said, we're going to go kill all the babies in Bethlehem under two years of age. Right place, wrong time. However long they've been in this house, they're out of the manger. They're probably thinking, okay, we got the child of God. And then we get this message from an angel again. And it says, Herod is going to try to kill your child, the son of the Most High God but I got a plan. Go to Egypt. What a stupid plan. Unless you're God. To an Israelite, what does Egypt represent? Bondage, slavery, sin. Why Egypt of all places? Because it had been prophesied in Hosea 800 years before that said this, When Israel was a youth, I loved him, and out of Egypt, I called my son. Look at all the things. What was the right thing to do? The right thing to do is what Joseph did. He obeyed God immediately. Immediately. You know, there's those times we pray, God speaks to us, and we start negotiating. Or we go back to prayer because we don't like that answer. I don't know about you, but most of the time... It doesn't seem like when God asks me something, it's multiple choice. There's one right answer, and it's His answer. And you can see in the midst of all this how much room there is for the enemy to mess with our mind as we're going through this, fulfilling our destiny, the miracle of God being worked out in our life, the favor of God to to will and to do for His good purposes. It's all there but we're in this mess of circumstances and how easy it would be for the enemy to start planting thoughts and for us in our flesh to say, I don't like this. We get uncomfortable. We want to get out of this thing. So much for the favor of God. 
We need to keep our eyes on Him. You know, like Mary and Joseph, God has called every one of us to a destiny. He has a purpose for His good purposes. And in the midst of all of the garbage, all of the junk, we need to always go back and hang on to those promises that He's given us in His Word and those that He's given to us personally. Because it's there, but we can get so distracted by the circumstances. Our eyes get on everything else. And we lose track of the miracle that God has for us, the destiny that He has for us, the grace, the favor that He has on our lives. And we lose track. And you know, because our miracle isn't born fully grown and mature, just like baby Jesus wasn't, it's going to take some work. And there's going to be a lot of twists and there's going to be a lot of turns. There's going to be apparent roadblocks. There's going to be challenges, all kinds of apparent delays, all these things that are working against us. But God has a perfect, perfect plan, perfect time, right place with the right response. And how do we make sure we don't lose our way? Trust in God. Trust in God. He is faithful. He is true. He has the foreknowledge. He knows. You know, whatever mess we're in, He already knows what got us there, and He already knows what's going to get us out of there, and He already knows what it's going to do in our lives that He will ultimately use for His glory if we cooperate. He already knows. Keep our eyes on Him. So no matter how big the mess gets, where is He at? What are the promises? Some of us in here are going through some real messes. You could be easily distracted, easily distracted. The seas are pretty rough right now that you're trying to sail through. And it's really easy, not only to get our eyes on the the circumstances around the waves that are trying to wash us under, we can also go to other wrong sources of counsel and advice instead of going to God. And what does his word say? Whatever you're going through, he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. doesn't matter how big the mountain is. He can move it just like that. It doesn't matter how dark it looks. He's the light of the world. We need to trust him no matter what. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I pray that as we continue through this holiday season of Christmas, I pray that you would give us new, new revelation, even as we look at this familiar story. God, that we see all the things that you're doing in the midst of chaos that brings about your perfect plan. I pray for every single one here, God, that we would keep our eyes on you. The world is there to distract us. The enemy wants to distract us. Our flesh gets uncomfortable and looks for a way of escape. I pray, God, that your, your grace that you promise is always sufficient would abound in each one of our lives for your glory and for your purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.